This evening I thought I'd uh, talk a little bit about mindfulness. The, um, but uh, because it's uh, it's a central feature to uh, the Buddhist teachings and uh, the majority of um, people in the West who are interested in Buddhism are interested in the element of uh, the meditation aspect and uh, the kind of mental development uh, and the, the development of mindfulness, the use of mindfulness is a, uh, a sort of a, a phrase that comes up over and over again and uh, but it's uh, usually expressed in a little, a little poly lesson for you the uh, the word that's um, used for mindfulness is sati and but it's actually rarely used the word sati is actually rarely used in the scriptures. The, when the Buddha taught about mindfulness, he rarely used sati on its own. It rarely stands alone in the uh, in the Pali Canon. And uh, it's coupled with uh, another word called sampajanya. And uh, sampajanya means clear comprehension. Aha, the picture is getting bigger. <laughs> mindfulness and clear comprehension uh, so that usually when what we're talking about mindfulness uh, what the Buddha is referring to is mindfulness and clear comprehension as a complete uh, aspect so that the sense of because uh, usually what happens when we talk about mindfulness or what we assume is this, you know, attention on an object, uh, like trying to be mindful of the breath, or trying to be mindful of what we're doing, and uh, and sometimes we can actually be very mindful, uh, but are we actually clearly comprehending anything? Uh, that's a good question. So that uh, this quality of, of clear comprehension is, uh, is, is a, a necessary element. If there's going to be any wisdom or any reflective insight, uh, there has to be this quality of clear comprehension. And one of the images that you know, like, that I just like to use is usually when you know like just to how we focus on paying attention or being mindful of something and it's usually sort of sort of going down on an object or looking on an object and I think it's more important to sort of how do you know opening the sphere of awareness around something and holding things in awareness around it. That's a much, much nicer object or another nice image. Um, the classic illustration that uh, um, my teacher Ajahn Chah used to give uh, the difference between mindfulness and mindfulness with clear comprehension was a uh, a monk who was actually senior to Ajahn Chah who was a senior teacher and he used to come to Ajahn Chah's monastery to visit from time to time and 
and the way that the structure is set up for uh, uh, say in the monastic training that if somebody is uh, senior to one and they uh, they sit before you in the line or they if you go walk for alms round then they walk for alms round in, in, in front and it's a uh, uh, it's a way that uh, it's a, just an easy way to structure things. Uh, but Ajahn Chah said, whenever this monk came, he was um, he was quite um, uh, being mindful was a big thing in his life, and he was actually quite proud of the fact of how mindful he was, and. Uh, but Ajahn Chasi was real pain in the neck to have around because of his mindfulness. Um, he said it would be going arms around and he'd be very mindful about how he was walking and very sort of composed and very fixed on what he was doing, focused on what he was doing. Um, but he wasn't really very clearly comprehending of actually where he was going. So that uh, he'd be walking along behind him uh, on arms round and the, the lay people would be sitting there ready to put food in your, in your bowl and he wouldn't actually notice that the, the lay people were over there and he'd start walking off, following the road off in a different direction and sort of going out to the paddy fields or walking towards a buffalo pen or, and uh, Ajahn Chah would have to be behind him so, go right, go right <laughs> you know? um, and he'd be very fixed and then he'd have to check him so that this sense of you can be very you know, mindful and focused on what you're doing but not really clearly comprehending of how it's related to anything else that you're doing and that's, you know, meditation has to be, uh, you know, how does it relate to what we're doing? How does it relate to uh, the circumstances that we're in? Uh, how does it relate to uh, the world around us, the people that we're in, the activities that we're engaged in? Uh, if it isn't doing that, then, you know, there's something lacking. Um, so that the this sense of, of mindfulness and uh, clear comprehension working together. Um, the, uh, because if it's not, it's, it's, not, it's just not uh, applying uh, the principles of, of Dhamma in a very coherent way. Um, there's a uh, Circumstance in in uh, in England where one of the uh, lay supporters he'd been going to the monastery for quite some time and uh, he'd go and and he was a very serious practitioner. Um, but the, and one time he came to the monastery rather distressed and, and uh, uh, asking for advice as to what to do because uh, he was practicing his mindfulness and practicing his meditation and his uh, creating, uh, was creating problems for him and his family and his wife and children were getting very upset with him all the time and uh, I sort of asked them, well, what are you actually doing? And, uh, and he goes into this d description of you know, trying to start his day mindfully and you know, mindfully pouring his 
milk and his cornflakes, mindfully lifting up the spoon, mind lifting. And of course, everybody else in the house is trying to get things done. And he's driving them crazy with his, his, his sort of attempts at what he thinks is mindfulness. And again, not clear comprehension of, you know, how, is you, how do you fit in with what's going on around you? How do you uh, clearly comprehend the situation and what needs to be done? And, uh, and it, was, it, was a, it was a sort of a shock to him because he was very sincerely trying to apply the, the, what he thought was the, the practice. Uh, but it's sort of very slow, very deliberate, very focused, very attentive, but again, just not smoothly harmonizing with the world and the circumstances and the people around him. So that practicing Dhamma, practicing meditation, shouldn't make you too odd. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, you should actually start to fit in a bit better with the, the world around one. Um, so that, because there is this sense of okay, say, the openness, what are the, re- uh, what are the results of one's actions? What are the implications of one's actions? How does one relate to the, the people around one? Um, one of the, uh, the, the, say, the circumstance, uh, the, the, the parameters of, of clear comprehension is clear comprehension of time and place. You know, the actual circumstance, the place, the set, the people. Uh, you know, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate, uh, what's useful, what's not useful. Uh, and being able to adjust, being able to adapt. Uh, that's one of the, uh, uh, say, one of the training, trainings in a monastery, um, and particularly how um, Ajahn Chah used to, to train people, would be Shifting, not letting things get too settled into routines, uh, so that you had to learn how to adapt, and you you change the routine. You have to get things done very quickly sometimes. You'd have to get things done slowly sometimes. You'd have to work together sometimes. You have to work on your own sometimes. So that there's a uh, really learning how this, how to apply the. The mindfulness to different circumstances to really recognize time and place um, because there's a, uh, that uh, thing. Well, there's a certain longing for security and certainty in the in the human mind that. Uh, 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 you know, tends to sort of rigidify things or set things up in in uh, uh, in patterns which are are uh, one can be be sure of. And one of the things you couldn't be sure of at Ajahn Chah's monastery was what was actually going to happen next. It was it was never quite a sure thing. Um, you were like sometimes it's. I, I, some some of that I can, I don't dare even introduce into the West. I mean, people go crazy. And they can't deal with like sometimes you know starting a sitting and not actually knowing when it's going to stop. <laughs> well, it might last for twenty minutes. It might last for three hours. Uh, or starting chanting and not really knowing what actual chanting you're going to be doing. Uh, there, uh, so that that, uh, but that ability to just go with the flow and pay attention to to you know clearly comprehending what's appropriate, how to fit into a situation, how to 
how to how to deal with the, the, the circumstances that one's faced with in the moment a very important part of mindfulness and and again the sense of mindfulness the clear comprehension is the element of say the reflective capacity working to in conjunction with with mindfulness the wisdom element because mindfulness isn't really complete without wisdom functioning if it's just a, a and, and it's interesting to, to pay attention to, say, like in the, uh, kind of like the, the psychological analysis of mindfulness uh, in accordance with uh, what, uh, say, in the, uh, say, the, the five aggregates of being, a body, feeling, perception, mental formations, consciousness. You know, where, 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 where does mindfulness lie within that? And mindfulness is a mental formation, a sankhara. And the distinguishing characteristic of a mental formation is the quality of intention or volition. And it isn't just a passive quality of awareness, there's an intentional volition, an intentional application of mind for it to be mindfulness. If it's it's sort of like a a passive awareness, there might be some sort of awareness there, but it's not really, the mindfulness is really, uh, it has to have a full intention, there has to be full awareness, there has to be this quality of the, the application so that uh, this this sense of to, for mindfulness to be uh, complete in terms of a Buddhist from a Buddhist perspective there is this element of clear comprehension wisdom function the time and place uh, is part of the sense of what clear comprehension revolves around um, clear comprehension of one's own capabilities. Um, there's a by uh, recognizing, say, what's appropriate for oneself, what's inappropriate for oneself. Uh, what's within one's realm of, of uh, capability, what isn't. Um, the, uh, that's a very, that plays a large part in clear comprehension because we, we can very easily come from a place of ideals of how we think we should be rather than clearly comprehending what's appropriate for us. Uh, what, what, is, what are we actually capable of doing? Um, uh, what, and, 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 not in a, and not necessarily in a fixed way. So like, right in this moment, what am I capable of? Maybe yesterday I, was, I, was, I could handle so much. Uh, today, really, not that much. You know, so, you know, so, you know that to, to have that, that, that clear comprehension because usually what happens is we again we come from an ideal of what we think we should or what we think we can uh, and we're not really clearly comprehending what what we're actually capable of what's appropriate for us um, the uh, uh, Just in the realm of of uh, and just like in in sitting sitting meditation, you know what what is when do we when do we shift our posture and when do we sort of. Uh, 
grit our teeth and continue to make ourselves miserable? <laughs> or when do we use it as a, or even if it is, say if it is uncomfortable, how do we, how do we clearly comprehend what is, is what we're capable of in using it as a, a means of uh, furthering our, say, developing a patience or developing of skills of dealing with, with difficulty? And when do we set it aside? You know, those are really important issues because we tend so much to come from what we think we should do and how we should be. Um, and then we get frustrated and caught up because I can't do something or um, set up. The self-image is, is getting in the way so much. So that clear comprehension is sort of going through that self-image and coming from a place of oh, what's appropriate, what's useful, what is... And this is where, you know, really being grounded in, in uh, say, what's the purpose of the teachings? And you know, the purpose is always sort of uh, suffering and the suffering. Those, you're using, you know, seeing, seeing suffering, and paying attention to where is the end of suffering, where is the cessation of suffering. So then, bringing it back to that, that, that quality of practical uh, application, and uh, the experiential rather than the ideal, the ideal or the, the, the idealized form of what we should, again, what we should be getting or should be becoming. Uh, there's an, uh, the last, or uh, another aspect of clear comprehension is um, being able to clearly comprehend when one is deluded and when one isn't deluded. And that's much more difficult uh, because, of course, the function of delusion is to delude. And <laughs> it, uh, um, but also that's where one uh, you know, uses the, the, the experiential level of paying attention to you know, what, what is, you know, am I creating more suffering or am I inclining towards an ending of suffering uh, so that by uh, paying attention to that, say on the experiential level, it cuts through the tendency to delusion. So that uh, that clear comprehension of moment-to-moment -moment experience uh, is just very helpful. And then using different tools to help support that. That's why um, um, say at the beginning of the meditation, I talked about you know really paying attention to the body. Um, the body is very helpful for getting anchored, uh, getting. Aware, uh, awareness established, which has a say has a, uh, a parameter, a, a, a foundation, a, a measuring stick, uh, helps one to to get, have some something solid to to measure with, so that the uh, this sense of uh, paying attention 
say again has has a has a foundation, and you can start to see how we uh, tend to confusion or uh, lack of clarity, or the mind drifting, or the self-image coming up. Um, there's uh, because this morning talking with talking with Robert and and uh, uh, Robert asking a, a very good question around you know how do you maintain mindfulness and awareness say when you're in conversation or engaging with 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 the world around one it's very easy to uh, in say in speech and conversation and engaging with with other people you get drawn into the either the excitement of the conversation or the reaction that one's having or the uh, sort of the propping up of a, of a, of a self-image that one is working from or functioning from and how do you see and, and you, write, you you maybe after you sort of see this this is sort of you know, really you know delusion functioning and, and uh, but how do you notice that how do you recognize that when you're actually engaging in conversation uh, because it calls on the mind very very strongly very quickly <coughs> And I uh, said, so my response immediately is, well, you have to, using the, the body as, a, as the anchor. Because uh, usually we use our mind as the anchor. And the mind is very, untru- <coughs> very untrustworthy. Uh, it, uh, it just starts spinning out very quickly. And it's really important to come back into the, the body. Uh, when so engaging in conversation, engaging in, in, in interacting with people, that one come, comes back and one thinks that uh, that you know by say like by you know paying attention closely to one's mental reactions and really focusing in on it that it, it, it should produce some clarity. Um, it rarely does. It, because again, it, you're sort of using the mind when the mind's starting to spin out. Using the mind to try to it, it sort of piggybacks onto that and just keeps going. So it's helpful to come back into something that is settling. So that paying attention to the body, paying attention to the feeling of uh, say the just the breathing, which isn't you know you don't. In the middle of a conversation, don't close your eyes and sort of going to. But I mean, it's shifting focus back into the body, so that one's starting to become attentive and seeing, feeling, what was there, being more present of sort of the whole picture, and that's where this sense of clear comprehension starts to come in. So you get a whole, getting trying to get a, a bigger picture, of 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 what. Mindfulness is what engagement is, what how we're reacting, uh, because it's personalized so quickly. I'm just sort of seeing, oh, that's a reaction. You can see it. you're feeling it in the body rather than having this. Because um, usually, what happens is this sort of, you know, the play-by-play commentary going on all the time. And it, uh, is uh, it can be amusing sometimes, but not very helpful. <laughs> uh, so that uh, uh, you know, really coming back to the to the body. So this sen- this sense of mindfulness and clear comprehension, seeing how how the uh, application of of, of mindfulness uh, is. Really, a, and, and this works both in terms of one's uh, engagement, engaging with the 
the world around one and also in the meditation. Uh, like it's, it's really important not to spend enormous amount of time trying to fix the mind too much. This sense of mindfulness and clear comprehension also in the meditation, starting to see how things the trains of thought, the habits, the, the conditioning in the mind are, are functioning, are working, working so that there's a, uh, an insight into letting go uh, so that it really fosters that in a, in a, in a natural way. Anyway, these are a few thoughts. Plant some seeds for reflection, which I'll offer them this evening to you. If there's any questions, I'm happy to. Yeah. Certainly it's something that we've been wanting to do um, as a you know, sort of planting the, the seeds of this monastic tradition in, in America. And part of it is um, we're alms mendicants. And going into um, Ukiah, uh, it's uh, certainly not Northeast Thailand, uh, and going Amtra. Um I mean, there's whole sort, oh, oh, whole realm. I mean, there's, it's a very good practice both for the monastics as well as the lay people, and, and per particularly for us. I feel it's a, a really important way of of uh, presenting the image of a, a religious seeker. And on that level, it's a gift. Uh, so it's a, it's a form of giving uh, for us to, to give the... Because you, know, you reflect back on the... Uh, you know, what are the... Uh, what were the things that stimulated the Buddha to leave the palace and live the, live the life of, of spiritual practice. So it's the sight of the, the old person, sick person, dead person, and a religious seeker. So that having the image of a religious seeker in a society is, is very important. Um, um, you know, Western, most Western societies and cultures have been bereft of those images for some time. So it's a it's a it's a gift to bring that image back into the into the culture. Um, for ourselves, it's a real reminder of our vulnerability of being completely dependent on the generosity of other 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 people because you you go in to uh, uh, on alms round and you're not allowed to actually ask uh, you make yourself available to the generosity of other people and uh, and you make yourself available to, uh, you know, both to tremendous, because some people, 
uh, the other day we went in, because we go once a week and uh, on, on the observance days, the lunar observance days. And uh, uh, there was uh, a, uh, a car pulled over. Could we walk down main, the main street? We'd walk up the main street, State Street, and then, uh, and then sort of loop around and come back. And this car pulled over, and uh, it was uh, a little girl, probably about 11 or 12, and her mother. And uh, they jumped out, and there were, they're from uh, City 10,000 Buddhas. And uh, the the kind of joy on this little girl's face to, to see monks and, and then to put something in the bowl was, it was a real treat to see. Um, and, uh, and then they, and we continued, uh, uh, they put, uh, 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 they didn't have anything in the car probably except leftover Halloween candy. <laughs> So we got sort of some of these little Hershey, little Hershey bars, and, and uh, some other sort of candy type things, and uh, uh, they were in the in our bowls. And it was funny. The next place we we went into uh, further up was a a, a bakery that uh, invites us to come in and and receive food and the. the the uh, the woman in the bakery. I opened my my bowl and she was going to put this, and she looked in and said, "Wow, that's not good for your teeth." She <laughs> 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 said, "Well, we don't have much choice. We have to take what we can." <laughs> but we looped around. And then uh, that the, this car pulled up again. It pulled up at a stoplight, and uh, the girl and the mother leaped out of the car again, and uh, had some fruit and some buns and some drinks and whatnot, and put them put them in our bowl. Very just really overjoyed to give. And there was a couple cars backed up behind because she just stopped at a red light and got out and emptied the car. <laughs> Just so excited to be able to put food in the bowl. It's a real treat to see that, and to to uh, you know, in the other uh, you know, spectrum, you know, the other end of the spectrum is you know, people sort of yelling abuse at you and and, uh, and whatnot, which uh, you know, you just have, you, the vulnerability draws you, all of that. And you're, you just have to be ready to accept that. Um, although it's interesting that the uh, uh, there's, as we continue to go, uh, the the positive response is uh, uh, just far outweighs the any negative response. Uh, so that that's that's quite lovely to see. Uh, some months ago, um, the local newspaper, I guess two or three months ago, the local newspaper did a, it was a front page article, big picture, and uh, uh, on uh, the just monks going alms route in Ukiah, and it was very positive. And then several days later, there was a uh, uh, editorial, and they mentioned it, and sort of saying that they didn't, didn't, and couldn't put in all the letters, which were virtually all a positive response. Uh, and it was interesting, and they were commenting. The editor was commenting how uh, you know, that there was this positive response uh, to the article and uh, also that the 
say, good fortune of uh, Ukiah, which is just a, a middle-sized town, or a, uh, and uh, to actually have two Buddhist monasteries. Uh, a city of 10,000 Buddhists is, is there. And uh, the and they also made this uh, neat sort of little contrast of the uh, uh, at the time I th- it was about the time when that television program Survivors was winding up and they're sort of saying how, how lovely it is to sort of see something people who are willing to be content with little and rely on uh, generosity and live simply rather than this uh, tremendous desire to uh, get a million dollars or whatever. <laughs> uh, so it, uh, you know, it, was a v- it was a very positive uh, response in the local papers. Uh, so that uh, and so you know, there's a whole range of, of uh, you know, reflections that come up in in uh, like alms round, uh, one of the things that I tend to do when I'm walking alms round is just to to chant the the loving kindness sutra. Uh, that's just that's sort of that's what I'm doing is is rather than going out and looking for food, I'm. I'm there gener- generating loving, loving kindness and giving people the opportunity, if they're interested in, in receiving loving kindness, <laughs> they can have it. <laughs> but uh, that, this is, that's what I see as my opportunity and something to, to do, to give. So that, uh, you know, that, and that sense of the I say the reciprocal relationship between the the monastic community and the lay community becomes very very clear. And alms round is sort of the the, uh, the very clear uh, sort of example of that. Hmm. Yes, sir. And the Buddha mind. Um, there, I guess it's a bit difficult for me to. Define or express, um, in the sense that we uh, say in the Theravada tradition, you, you usually don't use that phrase, say the Buddha mind. Um, it's a uh, uh, what one's looking at. Um, you know, well, how are you defining the Buddha mind, or what are you thinking of in terms of the Buddha mind? I mean, the heart of, of enlightenment, or the 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 Buddha as refuge, uh, is maybe one way to look at it. Um, certainly, when we do the uh, say the the recollection of the Buddha, you're paying attention to the qualities. You know, what are the qualities of the Buddha? Say like Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arlahato Sammasambuddhasa. Um, those are referring to the qualities of um, wisdom, purity, compassion. Those are the sort of the essence of the the heart of the Buddha, the mind, the enlightened mind. So that say mindfulness and clear comprehension should be inclining the heart towards those qualities of wisdom, compassion, purity. Uh, how do we incline the heart in that direction? How do we 
implement that? How do we live by the, that? How do we open the heart to, uh, say, allowing ourselves to uh, be in the presence of wisdom, compassion, and purity? You know, without getting in the way. Because you know, so, it's, I mean, it's very important to recognize that we're not so much trying to make ourselves be wise and compassionate and pure, but we're trying to get out of the way so that we can allow that, those qualities to manifest, which are the, say, the natural response to seeing things clearly. So that the mindfulness and clear comprehension is giving us the opportunity to see things clearly. And then the response uh, would, if if the you know, if we're really seeing clearly, then the response would be say, the, the heart of the Buddha, wisdom, compassion, purity. Does that make sense? Pain or get point, past the point of, of being fed up with meditation? <laughs> the second. The second, okay. <laughs> um, well, one was just sort of changing my idea of what I thought meditation was, was because I thought meditation was sitting. Uh, and that I had to get this sort of sitting meditation down. So I shifted and started doing a lot of walking meditation. And, and standing meditation. Um, so that uh, that was very very helpful. I to to realize that I you know I didn't have to sit with painful knees and and a sore back, uh, and, and I could still be meditating and developing mindfulness and clear comprehension, um, doing. Like walking meditation, because it plays a big in the forest tradition. There's a there's a big emphasis placed on. Monasteries um, will have each dwelling place will have one's own walking meditation path, which you're encouraged to use. Uh, I remember one time uh, Ajahn Chah uh, really fiercely berating the monks and and. Uh, <coughs> Uh, 
really uh, uh, scolding people for not practicing and his his uh, uh, say his image or his 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 what he was referring to is you say you know people are you can really tell when people are not practicing and when he can people are really not diligent in their practice anymore when you could go walk around the dwelling places and and the walking paths are uh, there's no there's no tracks of of human beings on all you can see is dog tracks you can't see any human tracks at all <laughs> so, so it's just absolutely disgusting uh, so you know when say when the monks are Aren't uh, aren't doing their walking meditation diligently anymore? Then it's like they're there's, uh, there's sort of the the, uh, the religion has completely degenerated. <laughs> so I mean, there was a, there's a, a lot a, a big premium and an encouragement to incorporate walking meditation, use walking meditation a lot. And it's a very good balance for. Uh, both in terms of posture as well in terms of the mental balance. Uh, the sitting meditation tends to be more focused. I mean, it, te- it lends itself to more concentration. Uh, the walking meditation lends itself a bit more to the reflective quality. And it's also in the mindfulness in action. Uh, Training is part of it, so it's very helpful, and then one can ad- adjust it accordingly to one's one's preference. There's, as I said, during that time when I was when I had had uh, got fed up with sitting meditation because I've been I've been sort of pushing against pain so much that uh, I just started doing a whole lot more walking meditation. There's one of the uh, great Thai forest masters uh, in uh, the northeast of Thailand. He's been dead many years now, but uh, he uh, his daily routine that he would set for himself. would be he would after the meal in the morning they eat the meal fairly early in Thailand and he'd, he'd after finishing the meal then he'd do three hours of walking meditation and then he'd have a bit of a, a rest around midday and then he'd do three hours of walking meditation and then he'd have a bath and have some tea and then he'd do three hours of walking meditation and then he'd start sitting just sort of warm up to the sitting a bit (laughs) so some some teachers and some practitioners have used walking meditation really as the main vehicle for for their for, for practice our image or is is usually around city meditation if I were a really good meditator I'd be able to sit in full lotus and straight all the time One of the uh, was well, very interesting in terms, of, I say, the Buddha's teaching. Um, the Buddha didn't really t- 
talk about, uh, say, what is the, um, the, the, perfect the, the perfect political solution for all the world's problems. Um, he, uh, he taught, uh, you say, when he was in the company of kings, uh, in a sort of an absolute monarchy, uh, then he taught those kings or those monarchs what were their, say, what were the duties of a, of a responsible king. When he was, and India was in very, uh, had various states, and many of them were, were, were monarchies, and a, f a couple of them were, were uh, republics. And in those uh, when he lived in the republics, then he taught uh, how to, what would be a good functioning republic. Uh, so that he, didn't, he wasn't really fixed on a political system. But sort of, what are the responsibilities? What are the responsibilities of, of a leader? What are the responsibilities of a, of a subject? What are the re responsibilities of, an, of a person involved in the, in the, in the process? So that, um, you know, we've got a, uh, for better or worse, we have a republic here. And, uh, you know, one of the, Responsibilities is is uh, is in a in a republic is actually being engaged in in the process uh, for it to work. So that uh, uh, for myself, living in a. a a monastery. Uh, I actually, I mean, I actually didn't talk about the election tonight because I really don't know what's happening. And I've, I've, uh, um, I living at a Bayagiri, I actually get less news and less knowledge of what's going on in the country and the world than I would in Thailand, which is great. But I really don't know the issues, and and, and also um, not being an Ameri an American, uh, I don't really uh, have uh, much. Uh, uh, I don't have much uh, investment in it, so that uh, there isn't the emotional pull. Uh, to walk toward it, so I really don't know that much about it. But the, uh, you know, certainly in terms of, of uh, as I say, so, say, when the Buddha talked about uh, the, these different political systems, then uh, part of a functioning republic is is the, the involvement and in, engage in. In engaging in the, in the in the political process, you know, to whatever extent uh, is is feasible, so that uh, you know, I think certainly the uh, um, you know, and there's not much there's not much um, uh, how do you say motivation. To, to be involved in the process. I mean, that's one of the problems, is sort of the dis dysfunctional sort of system that we're inheriting in, the, in this age. Of the, uh, there just isn't that much motivation, which is unfortunate. Um, but, uh, you know, most of, you know, so, I mean, it's been several decades now 
um, the you know, the president of the United States is usually elected from uh, a, uh, a sector within the population. Forty to forty-five percent of the of the population actually votes. Um, you know, so uh, that's uh, uh, you have. The, the, you know, the, the president of the most powerful country in the world being elected by maybe 20 or 25 percent of the people. Uh, something's not adding up here. Uh, so, so it's, uh, uh, um, I mean, it's scary. So, so that's a, uh, and I don't know, I really don't know what to, you know, what are solutions. Um, certainly the, uh, I think, and like being, trying to get involved in local politics is, I think, really, useful sometimes, the actual, on a community level. It gives some sort of a, a, a foundation, of, of at least starting somewhere. Uh, I think it'd be really u- useful. Uh, because there is such a, uh, a sense, a feeling of, you know, we can't, we don't really have much My vote doesn't really count, and, and it's not not much. Doesn't have much effect. Uh, I think it's quite important to to, uh, you know, to actually motivate ourselves in some way to to, uh, to to be involved, because the process doesn't actually work without involvement. Okay, it's about it's after 9.30, it's about appropriate for the evening, uh, we can uh, pay our homage to the Triple Jam.
couple announcements. Um, one is that there's uh, books at the back, the side, okay, and uh, there are some uh, uh, new ones there, a couple new ones that uh, are a collection of uh, talks or articles of uh, Ajahn Amaro's and myself that have been uh, put together recently, and so they are there. And uh, also uh, announcement this Saturday coming up, uh, there will be a uh, ceremony at the monastery for uh, uh, offering a robe to uh, Sister Jitindriya, who has sort of been with us for almost a year, mostly in retreat, and uh, sort of in the in the spirit of the Katina season to uh, uh, offer the, there's a few of the lay supporters have got together and, and uh, sort of made a little using uh, little patches and making kind of a quilt and and, uh, and so Saturday is going to be the day to come together and uh, uh, finish making it and then offer it formally to Sister Jatindriya so in appreciation of her presence in the monastery. That will be happening Saturday. Hmm? Sunday. Okay. Okay, it's the day after. Oh, that's okay. So there'll be the meal offering, and then there'll be uh, sort of working on the on the. Uh, the quilt or the robe after that. Good. 